Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. Material. <laughs> <laughs> All right, picking up the Batphone this week is a good dear friend of mine, and as I've said, the heart and soul of Trinity MMA, and has been for a very, very, very long time. We wouldn't exist without you. It's Natalie Turner. How are you today? I'm good. I am like allergic to you calling me the heart and soul oh, of Trinity. How dare you? But we, because because I'm privy to how much you actually do for the club. And if you ask people like Tim Rogers and and uh, people who've been with the club for you know quite a while, they also see how much you do. You're held in very high regard. You're, oh. you're the untouchable, <laughs> <laughs> undeniable. Natalie Turner. But I've known you for a very long time. Well, you've known me for a very long time and yeah. you've seen me from when I was a rambunctious young teenager. Yeah. Oh my fuzzy hair. My fuzzy hair. <laughs> <laughs> Grow into a slightly less fuzzy head yeah. now. Yeah, it's funny because it was quite curly when you were younger and now it's quiet. Yeah, well I have to shape it because I've got an adult job. Which yeah, is, yeah. It's just troubling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is troubling for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, we was we've been talking for like ten or fifteen minutes before we I turned the podcast on, which is you know just an indicator of the stuff that we usually get to talk about, you know. And and this all the podcast is is just to highlight the people that I like talking to mm. and the things that we get to talk about. But well, we don't get to talk enough. When you're like, can you come on the podcast? I'm like, yes. It means we actually get to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for those who don't know, you are a co-owner in Trinity Mixed Martial Arts. That is correct, And yes. you have uh, quite a lot of input. You basically run the meetings when we have the meetings, which is awesome. Uh, and you keep us all in line. I've mentioned that you're, you're basically like the glue. Because really, if you think about it, when we, when we first started, it was Mike and myself and May and maybe a couple of others. Yeah, yeah. And our whole motive was to like train yeah well, well it was to find a safe place to train mixed martial arts mm. because at that time in the state there wasn't yeah not that we found anyway you know you could go to a place to do jiu-jitsu or a place to do kickboxing but there was not a coach that was yeah let's do mma yeah. with open arms certainly out outside of town anyway yeah. um but I think it's one of those things. I mean, we had some pretty clear and defined roles and we were very locked into those roles. Mm. As years have gone by, we've progressed as humans and we yeah. can take on more responsibility. But at that time, you know, Mike, your husband was just fighting. Yeah. A fighter. Yeah. I was coaching, but still fighting. fighting you know, yeah. like we weren't, we weren't necessarily equipped with the right skills to start an academy, but you were. No. You were, and that's and that's why it all worked out because we had those the right mix of uh, capacities and drive, and we were we were in the right position at the right time, and we all gave each other the opportunity and the ability to just further ourselves in the role that we were best suited to, yeah. and uh, we've continued to do that, and you've had continued to have massive input into Trinity MMA, including you know. And, and not excluding to like our class schedules, all of our formatting for all of our, our tech and all of our online social media presence as well. And like, I know that people don't really realize that that's you, yeah. you know, that's, that's you that's doing that. The, re the reason why Trinity looks and feels the way that it does is because of you. Um, and that doesn't go unnoticed, doesn't go unnoticed by me. It doesn't go unnoticed by the entire community that we have here. Um, 
but it's one of those things like unless you say that to someone <laughs> maybe sometimes they don't know so yeah. I mean, what I've always really loved about Trinity is exactly what you're talking about. Like you, me, um, Mike, and now Ant as well, we all bring our own strengths mm. and we just all support each other in that. So, you know, you're not going to expect me to go and teach the advanced MMA class, no. but it's just the same. I'm not going to expect you to sit in front of the emails and the messages and reply and deal with billing and that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. So we just, we all just jump in where we see a hole that, needs to be mm. fixed and and that's what i really love about it because nobody in our club sits back and goes that's not our job like even our community is like that as yeah. well if somebody sees a problem they're like hey there's a problem let's fix it yeah they don't like point fingers say it's that person's job to do that or you know yeah. whatever it's just a really a positive community where we're all working to build something and we really have built a community i mean we're fresh off the back of uh, a grading night last night mm. was a friday night it was a grading night one of the first this is the first grading we've had in 2021 yeah. and one of the first we've been able to have in-house at trinity for quite mm. some time as well and just looking at the people you know there's completely new people people that have come back to trinity to train with the group people yeah. that have come back to martial arts in general to further their life again i mean that's so good having rob back it is it's it so is really good having rob back, having rob back. Robbie Roots Condi, uh, yeah. Papa, Papa Rob. <laughs> yeah, it but is really nice. Like having Dave DeConti out exactly. to, to help support some of our members as well. Like it, that's part of our ethos as well. You know, mm. anybody's always welcome back. Everybody can come and go as they want. I remember because I, I was walking down the line with you as you were putting stripes on and for the people that, you know, train at other places, it's like, that's cool. Like, mm. get the most out of everywhere you go and, and share it with the community. That's how everybody yeah. grows. And... I always get a lot of positive feedback when we do gradings. And I, as you say, walking the line, I'll have I'll go to everyone mm. and speak to everyone, whether they're receiving a stripe or not receiving a stripe, belt or no belt. Like, I want to make sure that they understand that they are valid. And if they get a stripe, that's great. They get validation. Mm. If they don't, then they get a directive. And yeah. I think that's really important. I think... For me, it's one of the bigger rewarding parts of being part of Trinity MMA. But, you know, for you, you've been a part of it so, for so long as well. What, what are some of the rewarding parts for you? Oh, just, um, so for people who don't know me that well, like for my day job at the moment, I'm like teaching and educating people and getting to see those moments where you see somebody overcome a hurdle. Like, you know, I'll see one of the girls and they're really struggling with like an ankle lock or, or you mm. know, whatever it is. And, you know, seeing them then apply that move in a competition six months yeah. later when I know they've been working hard on it, like I get so much joy because we've created a place at Trinity where people can grow and develop and be the people they want to be. You know, mm. nobody has to do anything they don't want to do. But if, if people want to take on a challenge and do that, then we're here to support them yeah. and, and make it work. Um, just giving people room to grow. Yeah. Like I love that we don't smother people. <laughs> mm. And myself too. You yeah. know, like you've given me room to grow. Mm. The, the amount of life progression that I've undertaken since I've been a part of Trinity MMA and the organization that you've had a hand in is, mm. is huge. If I didn't have that room to just coach mm. and really flesh out what my ideas about leadership were, um, make mistakes, yeah. you know, and then move forward from them. Have this really connected soundboard of yourself and Mike and Ant and the, you know, the leadership group that continues to grow. Mm. 
I wouldn't be half as insightful as I am because I wouldn't have anyone to be accountable to. I'd just be trundling my own way through my own, <laughs> my own nonsense. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, that's the other thing I love about us. If we don't know how to do something, we either go and find somebody who does or we re- research the crap out of it. Like mm. when we started Trinity MMA, I was like, okay, how do people find us? What is SEO? Mm. All right. Okay. Like, let's like make the most of that. So, you know, we've all just gone out of our way. Like you're arguably one of the best coaches in the country. Like no doubt wherever you go, people are like, know who you are. (laughs) They know you by your voice. They're like, oh, Nick's in the building. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But all of our team is now growing like that. You know, we all have that reputation and, and honestly, my favorite thing about the community we've built is our our reputation for supporting the community. Yeah. Like we have a lot of really high level athletes that are doing and competing amazing things. But at the end of the day, we're all there to help each other grow and support each other. I agree. And it comes, it comes from that internal place of understanding that that is important. Mm. And I see what M16 have been doing with Beachside and I see what Progress have been doing with Armour. And that's why I've been so outspokenly, complimentary mm. of what they've been doing because I see it's important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always been something that we've talked about. So you are a nurse and educator by trade. Is this correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I trained as a nurse and I worked in mostly orthopedics. So that's a uh, broken bones yep. uh, for many, many years. And then an opportunity came up to um, help teach clinicians how to use computer systems. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been on a project for the last eight years where um, I'll have people who maybe aren't very tech proficient or people who don't just don't like change. I mean, who likes change anyway, right? Um, people who don't like change and I help them. I give them the capacity to grow and learn and understand. And, and for, with IT, it's about getting people comfortable enough with it to then see the benefits. Mm. Um, so, so given the intensity of that role... How exactly have you now parlayed this into multiple careers in the gaming oh, industry? Oh, my God. You, know, um, you live a very multifaceted I lifestyle, do. Natalie. So you're now a gaming professional as well, a content creator and contributor. Yeah. You're involved uh, with Dan Dwyer and From Bully to Black Belt as a yeah. charity organization. Uh, you are the co-owner of Trinity Mixed Martial Arts. Mm-hmm. You're still educate. Like, what, what the hell is going on? <laughs> How is this actually possible? Can you please explain to me how this has come about? Has one thing led into the other or you're just amazing? Sorry, the best thing about nursing is that it gives you lots of odd hours to kind of work on other stuff. So while I was nursing, I was getting so much reward from my job, but I knew I wanted to pursue my passions. So, you know, I think a lot of us are gamers in the community mm. and, and, and have, you know, a community around that as well. Um, but I knew I wanted it to be something like, uh, uh, you know, when I was a later teenager watching up, um, watching Good Game yeah. with like Steph Hex and she was like, oh my God, I want to be like her. I want to be on TV. <laughs> um, I don't want to be like her now, but... <laughs> Nothing against her. I just don't want to be on TV. Creating beef in the industry. No, no, no. no. I just don't want to be on TV. And I and I see all the um, issues that come up from from being a, a personality in the industry as well. But um, it was just that's what I wanted to do. And so um, me getting into the gaming industry is just hilarious. So I there's a local um, podcast team and a gaming group called D1 DLC. Um, and I just started going to their podcast because they awesome. recorded their podcast at a pub. 
So good. As you do. It was so chilled and laid back and like they would just sit and chat about their games and then um, I'd gone a few times and they're like, do you want to come on? Mm. Like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that was them empowering their community. Them yeah. seeing, you know, this is a person that wouldn't mind coming on the podcast, having a chat, oh, you know, come on and have a chat. Um, so that led to opportunities with them because one of their team members moved to Brisbane. So I ended up leading the podcast with them, um, doing writing and reviews and going to events and doing follow-ups and interviews and all that kind of stuff with them. Um, but that was, you know, that's not paid. That's all just, mm. you know, you love it. You do it because you love it and you, you want to interact with the people in the industry and, and make connections and just, you know, dive into your passion. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same with what we were kind of doing at Trinity in the beginning. Yeah. Like we weren't making enough money to do anything. We were kind of just covering the roof over our head. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a very transferable perspective. Yeah. I, think, I think gaming is a very relatable pastime. Mm. But I think also that it's not so apparent to most people who partake in it that there's a massive community out there of people you can partake in it with. Yeah. Like the advent of online gaming, it's brought people together but it's also separated them via a barrier of the internet as well. And I, I don't see it as the most positive aspects of gaming. I think people actually coming together and playing together and being connected, playing together consistently as well, yeah. whether that's board gaming, you know, D&D, whether that's, there is online gaming aspects to mm. that, but creating a team, creating a unit of yeah. people that you constantly interact with through gaming. Yeah. Like it's in the titles of <laughs> the Batphone podcast yes. I would talk about gaming. I've talked about it at length. It has such a nostalgia hit, but at the same time when you get into that world, you you actually start to see the skill and the development and also the dedication and the aptitude of developers as well and uh, you love to see it. I mean, I was watching um AGDQ uh, oh, yeah. uh, awesome Games Done Quick, which is like a speed running charity event. And, you know, people have differing opinions on it. I really like it. Yeah, I, I have love like, speed running. I yeah. love speed runs. And some of the speed runs I love is Ocarina of Time, Banjo-Kazooie, Arkham Asylum, Goldeneye. I love Mario Kart speed runs as well. I love um, uh, Aragami speed runs. Did, did you see the uh, Alex speed run? No. So Half-Life Alex. So it was great because it's VR. So they were using all these <laughs> VR hacks. Like when the loading, the level loads at the beginning, it always readjusts to your oh. standing height. So this guy would like start the level squatting <laughs> so then he could super jump. Oh, You man. know, all that kind People of stuff. Love, the exploits are so good. Some of the clip out exploits in uh, Batman Arkham Asylum are just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. But to this day, new methodology is being discussed discovered um in ocarina of time mm. and just the, my favorite thing about speedruns easily is the commentary yeah easily is the commentary as they break down how they've come across it what they're actually doing what mm. this represents in the game and how these things are possible and they always 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 give credit to the people who've worked really hard to find these glitches over yes. the year. It's a community. Again, yeah. one of my favorite things I ever remember, though, was uh, watching a Stivity Bobo Banjo-Kazooie uh, speedrun. And they called in the composer mm -hmm. of all of the music for Banjo-Kazooie. Oh. So they're just doing this speedrun and talking about the music at wow. the same time and the passion yeah. that this guy who composed it Unfortunately, I can't remember his name. No, no. The the way that he spoke about it and the detail and the depth and how he related it to everything that was visual and the timing of the stages itself, like, he nailed it. Yeah. He absolutely nailed it. And, um, you know, if you talk about a game like 
Ocarina of Time as well. I'm still walking around whistling Song of Storms <laughs> yeah. and Epona's song. People pull me up on it all the time. I'm like, is, yeah. that, is that some sort of nursery rhyme that you're whistling? I'm like, no, it's Epona's song. Like, <laughs> at best, it's Zelda's lullaby. You know what I mean? Yeah. It sticks with people and it sticks with people for a reason. You make positive connections and connotations mm. throughout your life with gaming, but it's also challenging. Yeah. It's also difficult. Like the, even the original Donkey Kong, first few worlds, breezy. Yeah. Then you get to a sticking point where you better upskill hard. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get seriously frustrated and walk away from this, like, cutesy artwork, nice game that makes you feel good. And yeah. then you're, like, pulling your hair out, trying to beat it and finish oh. it. But that's the dichotomy that's beautiful. I, I love that you love speedrunning because that is so equatable with how the martial arts community works and how the speedrunning community works. Yeah. Because they all build on each other. Yeah. Like, you're only as good as the people that you're working with. And even though it's competitive... Everybody shares, what, yeah. like, this is how I did this hack. This is how I've worked out how to beat this level faster. Same as martial arts. Like, yep. you're always sharing with each other and building each other up. And it's really unique, I think, in competitive environments to have that. Mm. Like, most, you know, you look at, you know, even business and, and other fields where you've got competition, people are like, no, my secret. Nobody yeah. shares. I mean, there are pockets in MMA like that as well on, and where people don't yeah. want to share But they're not but... looked upon favourably. You know I mean? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's their, their choice to do that, but it's limiting to them, it's limiting to the community. Yeah, so. yeah. Skating also has that as well. Yeah. Like, you rock up to any skate park, and if you are just not good, yeah. it really doesn't matter. You're going to feel self-conscious. But then when everyone's like, hey, man, you got to do it like this, and, oh, that's awesome, you that's know, so good. they're trying to do... 360 flips over a box or a fun box or whatever and then you know just just about to land it just about to land it and you're hyped because visually it's really cool looking and obviously you know how hard it is mm -hmm. if they turn around and see you trying to ollie for four hours and you don't get it and you come back the next day and you try again for another four hours that dude who's been trying to tray flip he's going to look at you doing your ollies and he and when you get it He's going to tap his skateboard yeah. on the ground and he's going to give you all the respect and all the props because you're there and you're doing it and you're sharing, you're being part of the community. I, I've always equated that as well. Yeah. Always um, equated that. Climbing's been the same. So, ah. Yeah, there's been a few girls at the club that have been going climbing and I know uh, people like Tony um, Crucis as well yeah. and a few other people will just go bouldering and... You know, if you're on the wall, people will be like, oh, you know, just over to your left. You can't yeah. see it. You know, everybody's always helping each other and always challenging each other. I think, you know, just that continual mindset of improvement but without, I don't know, friendly. It's, yeah. it's friendly. It's not like, oh, you're not good if you can't do this. But if you do achieve it, you're amazing. And yeah. congratulations. I think that's something that... <sighs> Being involved in swimming for so long for me, and I've mm. talked about it on the podcast before, it's very singular. Yeah. You know, it's you get up at 4.30 a.m., yeah. you go to training, you go to school, you come out, you train again, and you compete every weekend against all the people that you train with and more, mm. and it just becomes very, very locked in, very competitive, and very adversarial. And I think that's why I gravitated towards martial arts eventually, mm. because it was still... You know, I played rugby and did all that, and I found camaraderie through that, but I was better as an individual. I understood that, but I still needed a community. So for me, that's likely why I gravitated towards something that was physical, but also camaraderie and community-based as well. Um, what would you say made you gravitate towards martial arts initially? Um, so our journey kind of started because a friend of ours was like, hey, I want to do this UFC thing. 
and they found a place in town called ABS. Yeah. So they oh, uh, they invited <laughs> um, me and Mike out, Mike Turner, um, to train. And I, you know, I love martial arts, but I've never caught that kind of competitive bug mm. um, with it. But, you know, our journey started there with jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, so we started training under a, under a blue belt that was there teaching. And, you know, the stuff we learned was just, you know, you see, you go back now and you go, oh, wow, like the way you coach compared to the way he coached, they're, they're worlds apart. But this was also, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, 15 years, years later. But at the same time, I, I was also there. Yeah. I was at ABS Academy. Yeah, and I was yeah. taking classes with Benjamin Bay, you know, back in the yeah, day in the Ballet Tudo classes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Mike coming in and punching him in the head at 60 billion times. <laughs> And then just being in disbelief when I'm somehow on my back on the ground underneath, a, you know, an Americana. And I'm like, what was that? And he's like, well, I kind of have an idea about what I'm trying to do. And yeah. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't even understand what you've said. Oh. I'm just this kid who has like, but, you know, I needed to go through that experience in order to start a different type of journey. You know, and I was, yeah, just an idiot. But, you know, I'm not. So much of an idiot now, so that's all, cool. Like when we're young, we all have like really high hopes on what we want to achieve and what we want to do. We don't necessarily understand what, what we've been talking about this whole town. Like you've got to invest in other people to build yourself up as well. Yeah. You're just very focused on getting to your goal. I actually had a conversation about this the other day with um, a very good friend of mine who, you know, went through some hardships as a young person. Uh, but they were, you know, they were very athletically driven. I won't, I won't say their name out of respect. Yeah, yeah. They, they were very athletically driven. And he said what you just said, that, that he had a lot of high hopes. Mm. But he didn't really understand what those high hopes were for. Yeah. Like he had a goal and really driven towards that goal, but it was a really negative goal. And it took him years and years and years to figure out that like fixating on that type of idea about being better than everyone. Yeah. You know, and that was your, the only pathway in your mind that you would allow yourself to take in order to get you out of bed in the morning was to be better than everyone. It was a really negative yeah. way to go about that goal. But something that I imparted on him is, did you come up with that by yourself? Or was that something that you were taught yeah. to do? Is that like a, a mentality that was bred into you by the sport that you were playing at the Sounds time. like some Cobra Kai shit. <laughs> it kind of is yeah. some Cobra Kai shit, but, you know, from having viewed the last few seasons, all I can say is it's it's nuanced. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Perspective is nuanced. Of course, of course. Uh, one of the questions that came in from the listeners is, obviously, we're talking about martial arts. We are talking about fighting. Mm. We are talking about MMA and fighting, and you've been around many fighters, many fight camps, but you've had the unique perspective of being the supporter and partner of an elite level fighter <clears throat> for the highs and for the lows. Mm -hmm. You've been there for the weight cuts, you've, you've been there for the injuries, and you've been there for the championships and the titles as well. So is there any insight that you can bring into what it's like being a partner of someone who's going through this, this game and this life as well, this yeah. journey? I mean... The first thing is you've just got to choose your level of investment as well. Mm. Like for me, it's always going to be 100% of my partner, but I know a lot of other people, they function 
uh, I don't mean separately, separate, like you come together, but you mm. know, I've got my hobbies and you've got your hobbies, you've got your goals, I've got my goals, but then mm. that, you know, you come back to the same home and have a meal together yeah, and, yeah. you know, like there, there is that level of, you can actually choose to be completely hands off if mm. you're not comfortable. And I, I was the kind of person that I would watch funniest home videos and like feel that sink in my gut when something bad happened oh, to someone. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, the, the idea of um, moving into martial arts where you're getting punched in the face, that was the, like a long journey for me to, mm. to be comfortable with that. But um, I think if you do want to follow and support support your partner, you can get a lot more insight by doing it as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Like um, you if that's the, the path you want to take. And there's certainly a lot of people out there as well who will go to the extent of coaching and cornering mm. their partners, which I know with Jake and Amy, Jake's been in Amy's corner for yep. her competitions and we've seen it with other um, elite level fighters. I was in Mike's corner once. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Never again. What? When were you in Mike's corner? Glanville fight? fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> So the Glanville fight was a super heavyweight fight that Mike took. Uh, you know, short notice. Short notice super yeah. heavyweight fight. And there is a difference between heavyweight and super heavyweight. Just in case you didn't know, <laughs> there is actually a weight limit to heavyweight in the sport of mixed martial arts. And I believe it's 130 kilos. It might even be 125. I'm not 100% certain mm. on that. However... Anything above that, you're just a gargantuan human who shouldn't be allowed to walk the streets. <laughs> and if you ever had the chance to hit someone in the head, you probably shouldn't because you're likely to cause death. death. Oh, and that was such yeah. a scary experience, like being cage aside and mm. being in the cage and supporting. Because it was you and Tom. No, I no? wasn't. I wasn't in the corner who for was that. There was it, Ham. No, I, I think that was much prior to Trinity even being a thing. Possibly, I know even Tom. A, Tom was there. Tom likely would have yeah. been the major party in that one. Um, so. Tom Crosby. Was Tom Crosby. About. Yeah, um, I'm kicking myself for not knowing who the other person was. They're going to listen to this and just be like, "Fuck you!" Now. Was it Richard not Blake? Could it? Be, could it have no, been Richard Blake? No, it wasn't Richard. No. Mm. Well, there you go. Anyway, sorry, whoever you <laughs> sorry, are. Sorry, guy. <laughs> I was kind of a bit focused on other stuff. But that, that fight was so difficult because mm. after the fact, you know, talking to a lot of people, Mike was up on the scorecards the first mm. two rounds, um, but he was taking a lot of damage. Um, and so us in the corner didn't... Me, I should say me, I can't speak for Tom, but I was unable to separate the damage he was taking from how yeah. well he was doing. Like, I, I, I don't have that analytical headspace where I can step completely back and be able to um, see the performance yeah. overall. Yeah. I just I just see the damage and I'm like, oh, mm. maybe stop getting hit, man. <laughs> Great cornering advice. Um, don't get hit anymore. No, but I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. I was just there, yeah. you know, putting ice on and putting bass on and that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But that, that was... That was challenging, and I, I probably wouldn't recommend that unless you're the best person that can be there. And mm. I know that was, sorry, that was just a, 
an instance where I was the best person to yeah. be there because of, of how things worked out. But well, it's a it's an acquired skill, and Mike has a heart stopping style. He does. <laughs> he's, he's called the Terminator because he takes all this damage and keeps going. You know what I mean? But it's not it's not it's not the style that I mean. I guess it's the style that's allowed me to practice composure in the yeah. corner. But at the same time, I mean. That being said, that's that sort of detracts from the whole idea that when you have your opportunity to be precise with your submission work and it's time to uh, really put concerted control, if you've taken damage, then the urgency and the necessity for you to be super sharp and super dominant when you get your good positions, mm-hmm. it just goes up exponentially. Yeah. And that's the style that Mike developed. Yeah, he like, thrived under pressure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And if he felt like he was behind, if you maybe if you felt like you were defeating him, he never did. No, no, no. So when he actually got those opportunities, you just got sucked underneath him and you're never escaping and you're yeah. systematically being broken down. He's going to take you back and choke you. He's going to rip your shoulder off. Yeah. And he just did it so consistently. You could say that, oh... You know, he oh, I mean, he scooted away with that one. Mm. He just got out, but really, every single time? Yeah. And it was the same with his jiu-jitsu career as well. Like, I saw him compete with elite-level practitioners who, in theory, should have defeated him, but didn't because they didn't understand what they were getting themselves yeah. into. Yeah, he's unexplicably cerebral. Like, mm. you don't, don't kind of expect it. You see the bigger fighters and there's all those tropes around um, how they compete, but... Mike always had his brain going. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we're coming back to that kind of perspective of being a supportive partner. Just do what you can do. Mm. You know, for me, like, I was able to help him out with his nutrition. I was able to help him out with his weight cuts. That that was all fine because of my background in yeah. nursing. I wasn't kind of afraid of, and you know, martial arts as well. I wasn't afraid of a bit of sweat and... Um, you know, you know, cutting out meat for a few days so we can clear out the garden, drinking twenty bajillions of liters of water, and you know, all those stuff you stuff you have to do to get to the fight. You know, yeah. I was always there trying to support him, but at, at the end of the day, he does the same for me. He's just lucky I don't do much a lot. He's just lucky that you, yeah, you're not trying to cut weight. And yeah, fight. yeah, like you know, I, I with my writing, like he'll yeah. he'll proof it for me if he's got time. Like I'll just sit and chat with him about games to try and get a better picture and understanding of it, so that when I go on the on the um, podcast, I've got a better understanding yeah. and a clearer way to describe it. So, you know, everything we do is in in partnership, and you know, I was just so thankful I kind of got to go on that journey with him yeah. because now I feel like I can support guys in our gym as well, 100%. well and the girls you know that are coming up doing yeah. competition um it just is does give you a unique insight it lets you know hey maybe that person doesn't want you to go run over and give them a hug right now mm. like you know those yeah. kinds of thoughts that you I think you only understand if you've been close in it or been in it yourself yeah i i agree 100 percent. and i think the trust and respect level that people have for you within the academy uh, is in part to that they know that you've walked that walk and you've walked that path and you've been the supporter for so long and you understand exactly what everyone is going through at every moment in time um do you have any highlights for from your existence with Trinity or with Mike or just in terms of martial arts, I mean, we've been through so much. Yeah. Do you, do you, can you pinpoint one that you think would be a, oh a true highlight? Oh, God. 
I mean, I, as far as game changing for me, um, I, I don't know if a lot of people know that Mike and I trained with um, Richard Blake, who currently runs United MMA now. We started our, you know, striking training mostly with him, and uh, he ran internal comps. Yeah. And I had my first internal comp I with remember, him. I remember seeing footage of that, and I'm like, yeah. Natalie is in a ring. <laughs> sort of. Yes. I think that's a ring. Yeah, it also it might be. Small, it was a small ring. Could be an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> an ele- a roped up elevator. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had a kick, like I had a kickboxing fight, but obviously it wasn't, you know, proper amateur or pro or anything, but that was enough insight for me to go, not for me. Thanks. <laughs> um, so that's like a real memorable moment for you. Uh, well, that, that, I mean, yeah. that, that was, what was that, 20 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So you d- you just you learn from those kinds of experiences really quickly and acutely. Mm. Like I, I remember talking to May later about it because I explained all these things that now I know all fighters go through the yeah. first time they're in the ring. You know how you you know you gas earlier than you would and you get panicked and your heart rate goes up yeah. and all those things that I'm just like, oh, like I felt like I was just at the time so bad that I should never do this ever again. Not, not you know, for any other reason. Yeah, but it's actually normal. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, I, you know, I busted my gut for that. Like I was in the gym every day doing my cardio, doing my strength, doing like sharpening my striking. Like I didn't have anybody to do pads for me, but I was like going, in the, he had the pads in the, in the corners of the ring. So I was just like doing different combinations going around the ring. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you all do what you do when you're starting out. Yeah, right? it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this girl, she was furious as in like <laughs> came at me with like imagine like luigi speed windmilling arms but with more precision and technique loaded up you know, well. yeah <laughs> and she was just non-stop just bang 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 and like I, I i i didn't know effectively how to defend myself yeah. um which is something that i really love about what we do at the academy we have whole blocks on effective defense defense, yeah yeah. which you know is crazy but some places don't focus on that as much as they should Um, well i mean even thinking about the the latest apex show and uh, dfc and you know some analysis from our fights when the coaches were discussing how we're going to move forward with the next block of technique Jake Chinaworth was the one who said, I want to do a block on defense. I think Mm. we're getting hit too much. I think we're taking too much damage. Uh, Even in the fights that we won, I think that we were getting clipped too much. We're going to do solely defense Mm. and the uh, MMA skills striking classes or any class that he's in charge of. And that, you know, that's, that's one of those things like we have that sounding board and we can come back with that analysis and then we can enact it on a on it immediately oh, our teamers are so agile right like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see there's a problem we just fix it straight away yeah. or we work to fix it straight away and you've built a team and I, I know especially for Jake like the level of analysis that you bring to fighting and that Mike brings to fighting I've always seen in guys like Jake mm. and we've fostered that because being able to identify that makes everybody better yeah yeah it, it is sort of acute and long-term problem solving that, that helps. I mean, um, people have asked me in the past, like, you know, how do you put together your programs as a coach? Uh, you know, and what, how do you come to the point of 
okay, we're going to go after this technique for the next month, or we're going to look at this strategy or this problem for the next month. Um, and that goes hand in hand with advice that I've given in the past. Like Manasseh has come to me and Dan has come to me, uh, Dan Dwyer has come to me and said, all right, um, I reckon I'll just, I'll ask the students what they want to do. And I say, you can, there's a place and a time for that. And that's in privates. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You have to lead with the content when it comes to classes and where that content comes from is via your own analysis. Have you been watching their competitions? Have you been watching everyone rolling? What are the common issues? What are the problems that we're having? Yes, as individuals, but as a team, what are the problems that we're having and how can we formulate a program that will successfully address those issues and overcome them? Also, are you researching and studying the latest techniques? Are you implementing those things? Are you looking outside of your own game, outside of your own body type Mm. to think about how best we can perform, but how best we can evolve and adapt. What is the best strategy or technique that is out there right now? Who's doing it? And how did they lose? Mm. Right? Because no one wins everything unless they're Gordon Ryan. Yes. Right? But <laughs> well, he didn't always win everything. Well, that's right. Yeah. So even the most elite strategies have issues. Mm. And if we're looking at you know, the practitioner who exploited those issues or even just the issues that the, uh, the applicant faced, mm. what is the lesson in it mm. and how can we utilize that to better the progress of our students? That's, that's the way I think when it comes to long-term coaching because uh, I talked about this the other week when I was speaking with Luke Vidler and, and his wishes to, you know, move into coaching and, you know, my advice is, always been that how much content do you think you have Mm. if you start coaching consistently multiple sessions a week one year of content two years of content what about 10 years of content what does that look like yeah and it's what you were talking about about that approach of constant analysis Mm. and finding new things and new methods to to pass on yeah yeah but it's still amazing to me that when i ask you about memorable moments you bring up the inter-club fight. <laughs> that is still like in your mind. All these years later, that is in your mind as the most eye-opening experience that you ever got to have in martial arts because it was the most confronting and the most real. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about how I can bring value to the team. My personal experience in that, it helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, you know, Mike won some titles. He did. He did. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But like I feel I feel his achievements stand on their own. No, I agree, I... I agree. And that's why I laugh when yeah, I say that as well. Yeah, because yeah. like, yeah, he his achievements are you they are a juggernaut of yes. achievements. And eventually when he does choose to come onto this podcast, <laughs> I'm gonna shower him with the praise that he deserves and hopefully try to help everyone understand the true scope of that those achievements yeah. as well and what that has represented in his life, what he's overcome. You know, uh, the he's not necessarily advantaged in the way of his physical makeup or the opportunities that that he had to train and develop Mm. at the time he was doing it. You know, we were fighting in a time where fighting wasn't a thing that you did. No. Yeah. So the story that he's written, um, you can't take away from him his achievements, but I really hope that in the future I'll get to explain to everyone exactly what he's done. Um, He's a pioneer in the the state, just like you are. Um, And I know that he doesn't 
appreciate all the adulation and praise, but it's <laughs> it's it's well earned. Like yeah. his whole life, he's struggled and fought against different things, and you know, even from going from working at the Warhammer shop yeah. to taking that leap of we were lucky to be in the position where he could go into martial arts mm. full time and explore that as an option. Um, just that's another thing I always reflect on as well. Like we've been so fortunate to find the people that we found and build the communities we found based off of that and to have had the opportunities we've had just kind of, we've had to work really hard, mm. but looking back, it feels like it was the path that was meant to be. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. There's always a reason that certain personalities gravitate towards each other. And I'm just so glad that it's eventuated in the positivity that we have right now. Yeah. And at the same time, we all still play games. We all still play games. <laughs> we all still play games together. So Game on Oz is what you're most recently been... Yeah, yeah. So um, I was just lucky all of my work that um, I'd done with D1DLC when um, Game on Oz advertised for an esports writer position. Um, I was able to send through my writing to them and talk to them about my interest in esports because... I, I do have that real interest in athletes from any kind of competition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that interest in MMA is, is crosses over there to okay. esports because I'm invested in the personal stories and the and the people. Like, I'm never this person that's like, oh, I'm from this area, so I have to go for this team. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, go the local sports team. Um, <laughs> I've always just been about the individuals involved mm. and, and how they build and create, you know, competitive success. And so looking at that from the esports perspective, it's exactly the same um, as any other team sport. And so they gave me the job. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I've been working with them. Them, I've been on their podcast. I'm, um, at the moment I'm working on my own um podcast series which is discussing with esports yep. um, um, professionals in the industry just um, how they've ended up where they've ended up so like this amazing woman Jackie Garrett just as a quick example her son has gone to the international Pokemon championships three times wow and she recognized because he was so young there was actually no supports there for young esports athletes to know how to engage with sponsorships, how to engage with um, managing their social media, all mm. that kind of stuff. So she's actually building a platform to do that. That's awesome. Um, um, and, you know. and you're speaking with her about what that entails as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. So, like, she's she's just put a new feature in her app, which is called a um, influencing rank. So that actually takes algorithms based off how active you've been on socials, how much you're engaging with people, how much mm. they're engaging with you, and gives you a rank. That's awesome. So then that builds in that competitive yeah, gamification yeah. of, you know, I'm I'm number 10. How do I get to number one? Yeah, but it's still community-based at the it's same time. It's still like, community-based. Forced into interacting yes. with each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, which so, is So, yeah, I guess the, the question that I was going to ask mm. you, which you somewhat have answered, is like, what, what are your goals within the industry of gaming? Obviously, it's, it's starting to... To really pick up and I think some pathways uh, or some doors are opening that maybe you didn't really recognize before but I've seen I'm seeing you streaming your own content now is is that the goal is that something that you want to further yourself in um look I struggle a lot with streaming when I'm playing games mm. like I mean I think the best of us get tilted um <laughs> 
And I don't think that me getting tilted is particularly good content. Are you uh, sure? <laughs> I feel like it might be highly entertaining. I feel like you might be dead wrong, and that would be exactly what everyone wants to see. This sweet, <laughs> sweet, lovely woman just absolutely, like... <laughs> and blind swearing rage at no. you know, Catherine. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, the streamer life is really hard. Like it, it doesn't look easy. It's really similar to trying to make your way in martial arts, but it's um, because you have to, you know, you have to build your brand. You have to like obviously build your skills at whatever you're getting good at. But it's all of that, you know, branding social media stuff and for people who do stream full time they they're working 16 hours a day because they'll stream for eight hours and then for four hours they'll cut some of that content and put it on youtube and put it on facebook and Instagram, whatever else tiktok do tiktok clips or whatever else and then they'll look at their like more long-term strategies about projects that they're working Mm. on with other um creators and that kind of stuff so um streaming sounds really easy but if you want to actually make money out of it it's really hard we have to put in and you have to create there's no clear cut directive or blueprint as to how to be successful in it Mm. so when we talk about content creators this has to be something that comes from yourself Mm. and you have to put a lot of effort in especially if you're going to be consistent but then there's no framework for how you gain more from the experience. Uh, lots of people will try and sell you some course that will tell you how to do it, but... It, there's not. There's, there's not, nothing. Yeah, there's not a... There's not a... There's... Um, so you have to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and I think part of this is all about the individual, like you, like, um, I know that I am personally better at striking than grappling. I can keep building into my strengths as an athlete or I can work on my weaknesses, but mm. that's something you have to decide for yourself. The same yeah. with content creation, like, you know, maybe my reactor videos are going really well, but long term, people are going to, are they going to keep coming back to my channel for that? Do I need to start making sure I've got other mm. streams? Do you have to work on my merch? Do I have to, you know, make sure I'm collaborating with other people? Mm. Um, and that journey is very, in, like, you know, community focused. Like there's a Adelaide Twitch community of streamers, um, that they all help and support each other, but at the end of the day, it's down to you what path you choose. Yeah, um, yeah. That I don't think that's something I want to do. Um, super thankful with Game On Oz because one of their owners is Pete Corelli, who is a radio show personality in Perth. He also owns an esports team and owns Pentanet who are an internet service provider in Perth. Oh, okay. So he's somebody that I aspire to only because he does more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) You sure? He does. I I don't know. He runs an eSports team, so maybe that's equivalent to Trinity. I don't know if you can rub that off. (laughs) Nope. But this this is the kind of guy who he starts his morning radio show um, at uh, 6 o'clock. He has to be at work at 5 o'clock. He's at the gym at 3.34 o'clock in the morning oh nearly every day. So he's the rock, basically. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell him you said that. He'd love that. Um, he clearly is the rock. Um, but he he's, again, like he's one of those people that yeah. makes sure he comes back. He invests in his community. Like if anybody needs help or support, he's there. Like I'm developing my podcast. He's sitting and listening to my episodes and giving me feedback mm. and tips because when I am talking to somebody I don't know that well, I turn into a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Like, oh my god, that's so exciting! Like, oh, oh like yeah. the, the like comes out. Of like my is word. a word that I have come to realize is just a new part 
of the English vernacular. <laughs> no matter how conscious you are that you're going to be saying it and you try not to say it, it's still going to come out. It still comes out at the best of times. Even yeah. when you're on a roll with yeah. content, it just still comes out <laughs> yeah. because you have to use comparisons and inevitably you're going to say. But it's like, and if that's the start... Yeah. Of your of your it's of like, your sentence, yeah. I'm sorry. It's just gonna have to be that way. Um, yeah, the biggest problem I have is when I consciously take out like, then I start putting in other filler things, which just fill the gap. Mm. You know how it's like when you're not properly prepared for a lifestyle change, and so you just fill that change with something else that's <laughs> potentially just as bad. So like, I'll, I'll pull out like, and then I say, oh, 100%. For the whole podcast. 100%, 100%. It makes sense. 100%. Like, in response to everything they say, 100%. Because I say that as a pause for my brain to think of something where I would have put like at the mm. beginning of the next sentence. Well, you know, the Japanese culture has ano and eto. Mm. So they're thinking words. Oh. And they're very acceptable to use in vernacular. Oh. So if you're saying, uh, you know, and if you're saying, oh, ano... Oh, and this as well. You know? So it's almost like me saying I'm thinking. Like, yes, very uh, much so. But it would essentially replace the necessity to say like. Silhouettes. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, like I'm, that community is just such an amazing group of people. Like we're running esports tournaments. Mm -hmm. Like last year I had the opportunity to cast a Valorant tournament. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, this is just one of the things where I think different aspects of my life have all been working in the same direction because I got to um, do the commentary with AGC as well, like last year. <laughs> like, uh, um, <laughs> like last like, year. Like, like last year. Um, and that, you know, prepared me for the Valorant tournament where we've got hundreds of players. We had three streams running at once um, and they were picking and choosing what stream to play and we just had to be on the go ready all the time. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, I've, I'm not a long-term vision person because I know things change and they change in ways you don't expect and I don't want to be disappointed by not achieving something that I had as a goal when another opportunity can come up that's just as amazing. Yeah. So that's a great way to think of it, I think. Yeah. Like, doors open doors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And as long as I'm always um building and working on myself, working on my skills, building the people around me so we've all got better um knowledge and insight and, and aptitude to take on new challenges, then Yeah. That's all you can ask. That's a right? brilliant way to think of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the heavy stuff. No. <laughs> no, but what games are you playing right now? I mean, we're talking about games for a yeah. while. What games are you playing right now? Right now. So I normally try to have like a competitive game and then a fun, fun for me game. Yeah. So I'm playing um, Team Fight Tactics at the moment, which um, for anybody who knows League of Legends, it's the same characters from that, um, but they've put them into what they call an auto chess game. So, auto chess yeah the idea okay imagine like a card game where you get characters brought up and you like hearthstone or something like that where you put the players out in the deck the difference is that you pick a card it goes out onto kind of like a chessboard and once you have put your characters out that you want to then the round starts and you're competing against another person. Oh, okay. So they have real-time battles, so each character will have a skill that goes off every five seconds or, you know, their regular basic attack shoots every half a second. 
each character also has traits associated okay. with them. So you yep. get trait bonuses depending on how many of each type you, you put on the board. Um, and there's economy management as well. So you yep. start with, you know, two gold coins, so you can only buy one one two characters or one one character. But... So it's pre-planning and a tinkerer's dream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. I nearly said 100% then. Um, <laughs> it is. It's really strategic. Um, yeah. Like when I was younger, I was really into first-person shooters, yeah. but I've I've got boomer reflexes now. So <laughs> like I'll just get sniped from the other side of the field. Boomer reflexes? What? Like a conservative viewpoint? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my conservative viewpoint is that none of it's my fault. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you get blamed no, for having no, bad reflexes? No, no, no. But like you know if. You, you know that um, part of the enjoyment for me is knowing that I can be actively competitive in something. Yeah, like, that's true. Um, you know, I'll still play games where I know I'm, I can't be the best, but in Team Fight Tactics, I at least have that yeah. opportunity. Um, so, so, yeah. What's the fun game? The fun game. <laughs> well, today I'm going to be picking up Bravely Default 2. Okay. So, um, that is a game that is on the Switch, mm-hmm. and it was on the DS previously. Um, but it's just like an RPG kind of game. Yeah, it's fun. Did you know it's Pokemon Day today? It is. Yeah. The Shintokyo Pokemon Day, and they're doing a hunt. No, no, it's Pokemon oh, Day. Oh, just Pokemon yeah, Day in yeah, general for like the, the 25th. 25th yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> we have to go hunt those rare Pokemon. Oh, I want Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I play a lot of Pokemon Go. I certainly do. You know, yeah. walking to and from work, I'm in the city when I work, so I'm always playing Pokemon Go. And I have my phone out, I'm wearing my work gear, and people think I'm doing things very officially on my phone. <laughs> I'm very serious. No, I'm just trying to catch Pikachus in yeah. party hats. You yeah. know, like... Yeah. <laughs> but I also play a lot of Gwent. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. so Gwent has its own mobile app. Uh, Gwent, if you don't know, is uh, a completely fleshed out standalone card game that exists within the Witcher universe. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing any Witcher game, you can play Gwent. Yeah. But they have it on a mobile app and it's very in-depth. I like to play as the elf army, the Mahakam armies. I like to play as uh, the, like, basically the, I guess the way I can equate it is like the Sylvaneth type oh, armies yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Um, but then, you know, it's just fun. I really would like to play uh, Little Hope. So it's, one, it's the next game in the Dark Arts anthology. Uh, the people who made, uh, what, what game did they make? Until Dawn. Oh, yes. So it was Until Dawn, and then they had a VR game, which was like a crazy clown psycho oh, game, but I didn't wow. get to play that. They had Man of Medan, which was like a, you know, a mm. basically ghost ship version. Yes. But that sort of started the anthology in which they stated, okay, so each game's going to have a new cast, it's going to be narrative-driven, and it's going to be based on one premise. Yeah. So Little Hope is sort of like the Roanoke version of it, like Blair Witch-style game. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to playing that. I, I like those uh, narrative-driven games, like sort of like the Telltale games and Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah. The last big game I played was Breath of the Wild, and then I absolutely KO'd myself on Age of Calamity. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Age of Calamity is a brilliant game. I thought I was amazing at it, and then I got to sort of the last tier of challenges after I finished all of the main quests and unlocked everyone, and I tried, like, two of them, and I thought, I'm going to have to put this down now. <laughs> I'm going to have to come back to this later. Otherwise, yeah. I might go slightly insane. You know, yeah. after 
what I did to myself on all of the Batman Arkham games and just 100%ing those against my better instincts. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very unkind to their player base. <sighs> Um, this is this is there is a thing called ethical game design. They were very unethical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they didn't know me and my personality at the time. They would have known that if there was any Batman content at all to unlock, that I had to unlock it. And thank you very much, Arkham Knight, for releasing every DLC pack as a Batmobile racing map pack in which I had to complete. I don't want to play a racing game. <laughs> I don't want to play a racing game. I want to play a Batman game. Why am I playing this racing game? But I had to do it because I had to triple medal it all, and it means nothing to anyone. Uh, (laughs) All I get from it is I get to say that I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, This is why I can't play gacha games. Like I very much like gotta gotta catch them all. Like Uh, gotta get gotta get everything. I'm I'm not necessarily hunting platinum trophies, but um, I don't know if I've spoke to you like another major learning experience in my life playing animal crossing i mean <laughs> hang I'm, on a sec hang on a sec yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just examine that sentence yeah. real quickly wait, 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 wait. another major <laughs> learning pro- experience in my life was playing animal, animal crossing. crossing ready that's the premise yes Go. that's the premise <laughs> sorry i'm in year 11 i am getting up at four o'clock in the morning to catch a fish that you can only catch at that time of the day because I wouldn't change the clock in the game Wow! because it's a real-time game. So I realised that I just can't do those games where you've got to collect them all because I'm going to just kill myself, right? Like I'm just going to sacrifice everything, including sleep, to get everything. So when the new um, Animal Crossing came out, I played it for like a month, and then I was like, I, c- I can't. Yeah, I feel myself getting sucked into this again. Yeah, and I can't. One hundred percent. No, I, I understand it, and that's why when Jackie and I decided to get a Switch, it, the whole reason was so that I didn't pick up these AAA titles that I've been destroying myself on because I went on a run, a yeah. really big run. Like Witcher 3, Yakuza 6, Red Dead Redemption 2. I went and played, um, what's the one with the androids? Neo? No, No. Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Detroit Become Human. Like I did multiple playthroughs of that and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And I knew that moving into this new period of my life where I have to work a job (laughs) properly, I I couldn't really commit to these big ass titles, but I still wouldn't mind playing Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Lo and behold, like two weeks after we got the Switch, Jackie brought home Breath of the Wild and was yes. like, actually, you have to play this. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but, you know, Support I'm glad she did. Yeah, very supportive. Oh, yeah, very supportive. It can be really tricky with that kind of stuff. Just, I, I think for you working in competitive, like having that competitive background yeah. as well, like you're going to get suckered into those kind of mechanics. You've just got to be careful and take care of yourself. Well, I got suckered into Street Fighter Five. Yeah. Like I put so much time into playing as Akuma in Street Fighter Five. Just perfecting it. it. Took me four years to figure out it wasn't that good a game. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just caught up in the allure of the whole deal, you know, and I was playing online and I got mm. right to the top of Bronze League and that's pretty difficult in a in a fighting game in mm. this day and age. But then anytime I saw a Japanese flag or a Korean flag come up as my opponent, I'm like, Well, I can't play anymore. Like yeah. I can't I'll never beat these people 
unless I start to get up in the morning and train, yeah. you know, like put my reps in of all of my movements and study and understand the frame rates on a deeper level and, you know, really train my hands not to do the movements that you would do as a casual player. I can't do no, that. Like, because you're already doing that with MMA. Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> this is the line, right? As a as an MMA athlete and coach, you go into that level with that and you can't then have the energy to do it with other things. Um, but at the very least, you understand that that's what they're doing. Yes. That's the level that they're going to. And I think that's a reason why esports is esports because more of that crossover effect takes place and people in other industries who've reached really high levels actually understand that no what they're doing is competitive and it is elite competitive the actual skills that they're acquiring are almost impossible to attain yeah yeah Uh, i think one of the first times that i ever realized that was i was watching a documentary on daigo and Takedo. So Daigo has been a really, really long-term Ryu player, Mm. right? And he goes so in-depth. He's known as the beast, Daigo Omahara. Like, you can't beat him. He's the best player with Ryu who's ever existed in Street Fighter, from the first Street Fighter to the current day Street Fighter. He had to switch his character to Guile because via the development of the new character archetype of Ryu in Street Fighter V, he couldn't win. Yeah. He couldn't win in an elite environment. Like, it just was not almost mathematically possible for him to be winning on an elite stage, you know, at Evo or at any major event using this character. Yeah. That's the depth that it went into. And that's when I realized that not only did these people train in these games, but they study these games. Like, you are going to enter into a lobby and enter into a match with one of these people and you've lost. Yeah. You've lost before you start because you haven't worked as hard as they have. Yeah. And Tokido, who's probably, he's arguably my favorite player of this generation because he played as Akuma. Yeah. He's one of the reasons why Daigo then had to start playing as Guile. And then they've had set after set after set of amazing matches and they just have such a litany of history. I'm pretty sure there's some videos that just chronicle their rivalry. I was going to say, if anybody's interested in esports, there's a YouTube channel called um, The Score Esports. Yeah. They cover this stuff in depth. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. definitely jump on there. Even um, more um, famous influencers and stuff they cover mm. as well. Um, so it's it's good. It's got some awesome histories. You know, I think people, the, the inception to their understanding of video game rivalries is like King of Kong. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess, yeah, this is what we've been talking about, having insight and and crossing across industries. Like Mm. you you have extra appreciation of that stuff, I think, because you've been an athlete and a coach where, you know, somebody who's never reached a peak level of anything Mm. is not going to have that they'll go oh wow cool that guy won but they're not yeah. gonna have an understanding of, of yeah. how that happened and all the, all the mechanics and and work behind it yeah so. well, gaming is such a vast world as well I, I, another thing to equate it to with martial arts is you just gotta like it yeah you've just got to have an initial attraction to the whole thing you know? and whether that's Warhammer 40k, Age of Sigma, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's actual video games, AAA titles or indie games, or even nostalgic games. Mm. I mean, people are still playing nostalgic games competitively Mm. to this day. You've just got to like it. Like, I've always been 
a, a silent fan of your wood elves. Oh. Um, in age, if I was ever going to play an Age of Sigma or a Warhammer army, it would be Wood Elves. Yeah, easily. Like they're called the Wanderers now. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they split off the Sylvaneth or the Sylvaneth and the human Wood Elves, yeah. they got called the Wanderers, and uh, Sylvaneth got them. Yeah. Do they work together still? Yeah, they can work together. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's unfortunate that you know you get trait votes bonuses now for your your um, wanderers and your trait bonuses for your Sylvaneth and there's not that many characters that will give bonuses to uh, both. Okay. So it's not strategically advantageous to play both? Uh, only it, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm certainly better than playing, trying try to play like a Chaos and an Order yeah. army at the same time. Oh, that I think work. that's yeah. the coolest thing about Warhammer in general is that you can play it competitively or you can play it as a narrative and each are viewed very, very similarly. Like, yeah. it's just cool. My Eldar army has been my Eldar army for a while i yeah. love my Ulthway black guardian storm host linking up with eldrad um and his seer council he leads but at the front then the detachment of harlequins the solitaire the hidden path they're you know diving through the webways doing covert tactics and if anyone dies psh, path yeah. <laughs> Inid comes, like the avatar of Inid pops up and it's just, ah, I've, I've had some amazing interactions with people about Warhammer, both Age of Sigma and 40k. I've had Manasseh and Mike and Carl all paint for me as well. Mm. They've commissioned uh, pieces for me and it's always been amazing artwork. You know, you get such an eclectic mix of skills as well. Artists, collectors, strategic game players. Warhammer has... It's a very misunderstood medium, mm. but it has such a litany for skill yes. and creativity and people's input. And I love, I've got all the novels, all the Eldar novels, yeah. even back from uh, Farseer by William King, like just the oldest one. I've got all of those novels. I love the Eldar narrative. I gravitate towards that line of thinking, like the path, yes. the Eldar path line of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, nah. I don't like the Drakari. They can no, no. They need some. Uh, they need they some some, work. some guidance. <laughs> <laughs> they might have some good ideas, but they just go about it in a very vile way that mm. I don't. I can't really condone that so, type of behavior. So you, you're you're a you're a good guy. You're an order guy. You're a. I'm a heretic. Basically, <laughs> is what I am. I'm a heretic. I understand what I am. Yeah, but it is a bit of fun. No, I, I've always loved Warhammer and playing Warhammer, but. I just, it's a hobby that takes time. It is. It, a lot of time. Because you're talking about exactly what you're talking about. There's so many different aspects to it. To painting, to making, you know, terrain, to actually understanding your army, like all going into all the background, but also how will my army match up against this army? Mm. You know, how does this unit match up with this unit? All that. I all can't that. do that. I, I just have to play my narrative army. And if it's yeah. good, it's good. I love the idea of the Black Guardians jumping out of webway portals. And mm. so if there's ever any tactics or strategies that are based on that narrative, I'll use them over anything else. Yeah. But yeah. No, there was a um, group of um, snipers as part of the Wood Elf army back yeah. when I was playing all the time. And yeah, they were my, oh my God, they're like, look, look over there. I'll put them over in the trees. They're going <laughs> to snap shit out of the people. It's been great. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, you've got the things that really excite you and you get, you know, really um, pulled into it. But um, 
you know, Warhammer was a place where I could expand into like my photography stuff. That's right. Well. That's um, right. Because your Trinity SP photography is you. Yeah. That is you. Yeah. And I remember you always being around the games, getting the absolute best shots of <laughs> everything that happened, like action shots on a, um, a static Warhammer board. <laughs> like that's pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it helps when you've got friends that paint their models, not like me. Because then it makes the board look beautiful and you can really shine and, and mm. show off what goes on. So we have um, tournaments that run here called SAGT. And I've been really lucky that like they let me bring my camera and everybody's yeah. fine with me to hovering around the tables and taking pictures. And um, I think one of the continuous themes around everything I do is that as soon as somebody says they appreciate me, appreciate something that I've created I'm like oh my god I'll do it 10,000 more times (laughs) just on that just on that you know Uh, because you're at all of the jiu-jitsu events covering jiu-jitsu events as well with photography most of the ones that I've been at yeah yeah like I've had to ease off a little bit just because I've had some ongoing issues with my shoulder so Mm. you know like I'll come I'll take some photos but then like an hour or two in I'm like oh my shoulder um but it's something that I really enjoy doing like capturing those moments for people where they're trying their hardest to put a submission on or they you can see them thinking on the mats. Yeah. You know, those kind of moments you want to capture. Yeah. You've even you've got a picture you took a picture of myself, Dan and Avery all coaching at the same time. Yeah. I'll never forget that one. That yeah. was awesome. That's an awesome picture. Yeah, I mean candid pictures are always the best. Yeah. I like yeah, you know, like nice, you know, structured modeled pictures are fine but i'm Mm. always wanting to capture people in their natural element because that's when they're the most passionate they're not worried about what the person with the camera is doing and how they're going to look they're just doing their thing yeah i'm about to say it 100 percent. 100 (laughs) percent. i completely agree i just look as far as the grading last night yeah and when when i'm walking the line all of those really honest facial expressions and reactions that people are having to what's happening you know that's uh it captures what the whole idea of the the event feels like one one pro tip everybody tells me i always get photos of people with their double chins because they're looking down <laughs> are you putting the straps on? yeah i'm looking down as and well you're looking down at as every well belt. I'm like, oh, but yeah, i know you always um, go out of your way to make eye contact with the person, but they're not always ready to meet you. Uh, I have yeah. to like tell people when you're getting your stripes, just have a look at him putting them on, but then look at Nick because he will give you <laughs> some great advice and I'll get a good photo of you. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been yammering on for a little while now. Uh, so, you know, we could probably yammer on for a little bit longer if we, uh, if we really try, no, we don't have to try at all. This no. Is, this, is, this has been an absolute breeze and there's, there's always more to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to having more people on the podcast so that we get to talk about a lot of these things. And I'm looking forward to having Mike on the podcast, Dave DeConti on the podcast. Oh, that'd be great. I'd really like to have Matt Budd on the podcast as yes. well. I think he'd have a great insight into sort of bridging the gap of things we've talked about. Mm. Warhammer, jujitsu, being a martial artist, being an artist, being yeah. involved in gaming. I think, yeah. There's some really cool stuff on the horizon. Yeah, we have amazing people in our community. And just, it's awesome that you are giving people the opportunity to come on and have a chat about what they're doing and showcase them. But uh, I think it just also helps people get to know each other better. I've had a a few people in the last few days just being like, I don't know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, when people come up to me and talk about the podcast and things that have been said, it always shocks me because I don't really assume that people are listening. Yeah. I'm just really having 
conversations with my friends. Yeah. And it's just a big excuse to say nice things about people. Mm. Yeah. It's good. Thank you, Nick. Of course. No, no, no worries at all. I've been looking forward to having you on, as you know. Uh, is there anyone you'd like to thank or anything you'd like to mention? Nah, I just, Trinity community is amazing. The wider martial arts community in South Australia is amazing. The work that you and Anne and Mike do every day to make Trinity the place it is. And then all of our coaches and community members that build on that. I, it, it's an absolute joy. Like my day job every day, I have a headache about something. Trinity, mm. it makes me smile. Like That's even awesome. when things come up that are like a problem, I'm like, I know we've got the right team to deal with it. Well, the fact that we've been able to provide you the same type of support and positivity mm. that you've provided us for all of these years makes me incredibly happy mm. and incredibly proud. So thank you, Natalie. I really do appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to what we can come up with this year, 2021. Yeah, 2021. Hopefully no more COVID. Wait, no. where's some wood hey, I cannot don't shoot. say the word COVID. <laughs> C-O-V-I-D, not allowed anymore. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Thank Natalie. you. All right, and thank you. Stay tuned because we're going to be back. Same bad time, same bad channel for all the bad fans out there.